Ethical disclaimer. While Diana and I are psychologists, we aren't your psychologists. Reverse psychology is not a replacement for therapy. If you're interested in speaking with a therapist, please check out some of the links in our episode description. Now, on with the show. Got my decision letter on one of the articles they submitted. No big deal. Uh-oh. What did it say? It said, I don't know how I missed this. It said that I, this always happens to me when I submit an article for peer review. I get an email back saying that you didn't submit something correctly. Whoops. It's not as straightforward as you would think, unfortunately. I don't think it's very straightforward, so it's even less straightforward than that. Yeah, it's true. Whoops. feel like I make this mistake each time. Mm, that's insanity. All right, I gotta work on that. Now okay. that to my to-do list. Yep. Hey, what's up? Hi. This is Reverse Psychology, the podcast. The one and only. Yeah, it's not. The only one named Reverse Psychology. Podcast. Podcast. Mm-hmm. Yep. This is good. <laughs> good stuff. Good stuff so far. Um, we came in hard with the downer. Let's <laughs> let's pick it back up. I just wanted people to know that I'm publishing. <laughs> You're trying to publish. Yeah. <laughs> I just want people to know that I am turning in papers. Yeah. Incorrectly. Yeah. Dear Dr. Diana, while we appreciate your interest in Highlights Magazine, we feel like this article is way over our readers' heads. Way under our readers' heads. Yeah. Because they're small. Okay. Hey. Hi. So, speaking of bad news. Uh-oh. I want to give you some bad news. Are you breaking up? No. I've been getting some really confusing... This is not my bad news, but I've been getting some really confusing texts from my dad this morning. Okay. What are you going to do, you know? What am I going to do right now? Well, you're gonna just going to say, I don't understand it. I'm just going to send a picture of a smiley face grinning and then a picture of a bear saying grin and bear it. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, Unbearable. Well, there goes Zeus. They hated that. So we're friendless today. I think in the abstract, we still have friends, but in the concrete, we have no friends in the room feels different without friends here. There are dogs. There are friends. No, they just walked out. Yeah, I know. They're like, fuck this. It's lonely in here. I know. It's the just, dynamic feels different when it's the two of us. Just me and you. Yep. I, it's just hard to talk this long and not start doing it. Do you know it's 77 degrees outside? Is it? Yeah. How is it so cold in this house? I don't know. <laughs> My feet are Mike numb. Mike and I have been walking around all day complaining about how cold I have to go to the dentist because of how much my teeth are chattering. Um, Chaturanga. <laughs> What's that from? Like a workout class? It's a yoga pose. Chaturanga. Does it just pop in your head and yep. you just say Sometimes it? I get words or phrases stuck in my head. Yeah. So what I want to tell you is going back to the bad news. Okay. Let's hear the bad news. You've I, softened me. I got, um, this is also out of psychology today, which is not a terrible magazine. No. It's not a terrible magazine. <laughs> I don't know why. Have you heard this one? Have you heard that? I don't know why, but I've been enjoying it. There's like snippets of real research and stuff in here. I, I think they do a good job to, sl- to sneak in research, but this, if have you read this issue? Parts of it. It's horny. Oh yeah, you were telling me. There's a lot of articles on like kinks. Top seven sexual fantasies. Yeah. We should go over that one later on. Maybe that could be our intro banter. We can identify with which ones we like. <laughs> Uh, what's the bad news then we can go into sex fantasies no we're not going to do that one today but i'll share i'll share mine then (laughs) okay yeah i'd like to know actually okay maybe this will be an off mic convo nope maybe one of us will have a mic and the other one will not okay so there's a study where does this study come from science university university of british columbia Mm. where is that 
Canada? Yeah. All right, well. It's a place named after two different places. British Columbia. Britain and Columbia. Um, That's how I remember Here's it. what the information is. Okay. They're thinking now, and this is correlation study, so, you know. Who's they? The researchers at British Columbia. All of them? This one, Jill, um, Christine Anderl. Anderl. Okay. They're thinking that women who take the pill early in life. The pill being? Oh, the birth control. Okay. The pill as in birth control pill. Mm-hmm. Plan A. The earlier you start the pill, perhaps the higher risk of depression you have later in life. Okay. I remember that being a big thing when I was like in the middle and high school. Like, who's she on the pill? Yeah, but you know, the thing is that there's just, they're probably now finding a lot more things about the pill that they didn't know before because now we're finally in a place where people have been on it for a really long time. Yeah. So they can do a lot more studies. So... There, that's one thing I want to say. The other thing I want to say is that I kind of have a sore throat. Are these two things related? The pill, no. mood no. swings. Was that your bad news? Well, that people on the pill are more depressed. Yeah. Why do they think that? Because of the it's hormones. A correlational study. Oh, they don't have an. They don't. They don't have an. They like didn't a, posit anything. They don't have any theories. It's just an observation. It's just an observation. Yeah. Listen up, gum shoes. Got some good news. Got some bad news. First, the bad news. Uh, when we were uploading the episode for this week, the very middle had some sort of glitch in it and all that data was lost. The good news is I caught it. And so I'm going to really quickly, but eloquently as always, go over the information that was lost. Unfortunately, Diana is not here because she works in the evenings during the week, so you're stuck with me. But just imagine all the hilarious banter that we had over the following topics. But first, what do we miss? First up is reviews. First review from Facebook is from Kellyanne. She says, I am loving Dr. Diana Mike. I teach psychology and sociology courses at the college level, brag, and I really love the content of the podcast. They're both so funny. They remind me of my partner and I. Mike, I'm sure she means Dr. Mike, says ridiculous things that are in a way similar to my man and often in the middle of a serious intellectual conversation. And Diana often responds in an ignoring, laughing way. They really play off each other well as discussing interesting topics. The podcast makes my hours and hours commute so much better. Oh, well, thank you, Kellyanne. We love you too. And thank you for listening. And if you have a topic that you want to phone in for your class and you want us to take over, shoot us a message and we will do a relatively clean version of the topic so you can just play it while you sit down and nurse a hangover. Two other reviews. This one is on iTunes America from Deb, Educational and Fun. I'm so happy I found the podcast. So informative and love the humor. I especially like when they sing randomly, which you got a ton of last episode. Good mix of education and humor, which helps my commute. Thank you, Deb. We love you. Last one from John Kurtz Daisies from Canada. 10 out of 10, which is better than 5 out of 5. I love listening to this podcast while I crochet. You know what? I love crocheting as well. I need to get back into it. I taught myself how to do it during grad school, and it is relaxing. That was me saying it, not John. John says, I studied psychology for four years in university, and I miss learning so much. These two really present interesting information in a fun way, and it helps with my school withdrawal. Heart. Well, we heart you too. 
What else got erased? Well, Diane and I went on a rant about the coronavirus and how we're sick and tired of hearing about it. And then after that, we found out that Matt Gates possibly has the coronavirus since being quarantined. If you don't know who Matt Gates is, Matt Gates is a congressman from Florida who's a regular scumbag. And Matt Gates, if you're listening to this, I doubt you are, but if you are, send us a message, give us a review, and we would love to have you on and find out why you're so terrible. All right, let's get down to business with the topic. Topic for today is cancel culture. I chose this topic because like every week for the past three or four weeks, Diana has referenced cancel culture as uh, the mindset of wanting to cancel plans on your friends. And no matter how many times I correct her on it, uh, she keeps <laughs> she keeps thinking that that's what it means. And so I ultimately, when we cut back to the original recording, we talk about what are the motivations for, for cancel culture. But Unfortunately, the explanation of cancel culture got deleted. And so I'm going to go over it really quick for you all from two days in the future. So I'm going to tell you a little story first about being canceled. Uh, This is in 2013. Uh, There is a young woman named Justine. She's 30 years old. Uh, She's flying from New York to South Africa. Uh, And she is tweeting to all of her 100 followers on Twitter, which is more followers than I have. First tweet, weird German dude, you're in first class, it's 2014, which it actually wasn't, get some deodorant. And then when she lands in Heathrow, she sends another tweet, another twatter, Uh, chili, cucumber sandwiches, bad teeth, back in London. Justine's got some hot takes. And then on December 20th, before her final leg to Cape Town, she sends this little tweet, going to Africa, hope I don't get AIDS. Just kidding, I'm white. Yes, terrible. But the big deal is she lands 11 hours later to a barrage of tweets on her inbox. She has a a message from her friend saying, I'm so sorry to see what's happening to you. Uh, She gets another text saying, you need to call me immediately. It turns out while she was asleep on the plane, she became the number one worldwide trend on Twitter. People were calling her out as being disgusting and a racist, calling for her to get fired for how offensive she was. Essentially, called for her to get canceled. Cancel culture. Cancel culture, uh, it's the trend where someone that does something morally wrong, morally incorrect, maybe not punishable in the eyes of the law, but society as a whole decides we are going to punish this person and calls for the universal boycotting of that person. It is a form of public humiliation. Public humiliation has been around literally forever. For the longest time, especially in early colonial America, public humiliation was a form of justice. Over the years, public humiliation has taken a lot of different forms. In the the Netherlands, they're really big on prop-based humiliation. They used to use the shame flute for untalented musicians as well as people wearing oversized rosaries, aka stones of shame for people who are late to church. Colonial America, we used things like the stocks. Uh, We used to publicly expose people who were adulterers. We have a long history of it. We're we're very proud of it. Cancel culture is uh, a more extreme version of call-out culture, which is essentially aiming to hold individuals or whole groups accountable for actions perceived to be offensive. Uh, Usually, this is done on social media. People tweeting, retweeting, posting, calling out people who are doing things that are inappropriate. Cancel culture takes it one step further 
Cancel culture is calling for this person to be boycotted altogether. And so you might think uh, people like Kevin Spacey, R. Kelly, Michael Jackson, uh, a lot of different people. That was the more modern one. We talk a little bit when we bounce back into our past episode, when I go back to the original recording, uh, we talk about some different versions of it. But to kind of highlight that as a little preview, call it culture, cancel culture isn't just about the Me Too movement. If you pull the lens back, it's been this long-standing thing. There's always been trends in what people will find offensive and how we're going to call out. And so another example of it is the, the Red Scare in America, where we were essentially afraid that people were closeted communists, we would call them up. People had a different political orientation. You're called out, you're canceled, you can't work here anymore. Uh, people can get called out for their political affiliations, their religious affiliations, their gender identity, their race, their color, their creed, all these things. So what I want to talk about this week is why we do it. What is motivating people to call out and cancel somebody when in reality, these these behaviors aren't directly causing harm to the person calling out or canceling. Yes, what Kevin Spacey did was horrible, but he did nothing directly to me. So what made me tweet so many times that that man needed to go to jail? The woman who tweeted the thing about hoping she doesn't catch AIDS in Africa. Yeah, horrible. It's an offensive thing, especially for someone who wants to have a job in PR. But what made all these people around the world call for her to get fired or lose her job. What was motivating people to do that? Yes, it's wrong, but it's there seems to be some specific thing driving this behavior. And so that, I feel like that catches us up to where the tape dropped off. Oh, look, I got it. Speaking of Ronan Barrow and Woody Allen, you sent me a Barrage of texts. Yeah. Do you that. know this? Do you know this? Yeah. Oh my god. I was blown away by the entire thing. Yeah. No, it is. I mean, I guess if you're ashamed of your who your dad is, you're not gonna like, and you don't have a relationship with him, you're not gonna be super open about it. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess I didn't know a lot about Woody Allen. I didn't know that he was with Mia Farrow for so long. Mm, that makes sense. Yeah. And had two Farrow. two children. I get it. Okay. But then the wild thing is that he left Mia Farrow. She was with a different guy. They adopted a young girl from Korea. And then Woody Allen married her when she was super young. Yeah, there's some weird shit there. Mia Farrow sure. cut all ties with her because she went to Woody Allen's apartment and found nude photos of her adopted daughter <gasps> all over the place. And Woody's oh. like, yeah, I took those two weeks ago and we had sex. And other married still. Well, speaking of call-out culture, no one's called him out. Oh, they definitely have. Well, his movies are still doing just as well as they... No, he had a, he had a couple uh, that got canceled. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. I did not know that. Yeah, so he had a few that were coming out. And then in like the height of the Me Too, a lot of people were calling him out and saying, like, we you shouldn't have this. So he, he's had a, a number of them shelved recently. Hmm. Other other big... So here's... Before I we go into the five things that are like really contributing to people doing the cancel culture. I have lately had a struggle where people who have been canceled or there's a call for them to be canceled. Either I don't totally agree with the cancellation mm -hmm. or I do, but I still like mm -hmm. what they did pre cancellation. Yeah, no, totally. Like my biggest one is Louis CK, I who know. I think what he did was disgusting and yeah. he seems kind of terrible, but I still like, I still like his comedy a lot. Yeah. It's tough. How do I sit with that? 
I think you just do. I think you can hold two things at one time. How do you feel about the fact that when the R. Kelly stuff was really getting to a height and people were like, oh, he has sex prisoners, the rate of streaming on Spotify for R. Kelly actually went up instead of down? Well, I think that... um, Maybe it's people just trying to find clues in his lyrics. I think the community that the person is involved with makes a difference. Mm -hmm. I think that certain people are more open to cancel culture than others. Yeah. So I imagine if you come from a marginalized group already, that when one of your people is accused and attempted to be canceled, it's Mm -hmm. a much different experience. You can really rally people, I think. Whereas I feel like Kevin Spacey doesn't really call for people to rally around him. So he, I think he's been like, like uh, uh, pretty effectively canceled. Like we haven't heard mm. or seen from Spacey in a while. Yeah, he's might be laying low. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I think I've heard the argument that like with Michael Jackson, for example, that people shouldn't, you know, consume his music and they shouldn't um, buy, continue to buy things that he made and da da da. I don't, I mean, I think you can cancel the person and not the art. Um, mm, the art yeah. lives, kind of lives on. And then there, and, and I don't know. I mean, I don't. It, and this may seem arbitrary too. I'm wondering if, I kind of feel like things I consumed before learning about it, mm-hmm. I feel like in my mind, it's encapsulated in a different place than things that I experienced after. So like with, I can't even think of like a, oh there's been a, a few a few musicians where like I like their early stuff and then it comes out I was like oh they are this monster and then mm-hmm. they come up with a new album and I'm like I can't enjoy this new album mm-hmm. knowing yeah, that yeah yeah that's a good but point. I still like their old stuff because yeah. I remember a time where I was naive enough to be like this this dude's probably a cool guy yeah and talent and person can be very separate I don't know yeah. I I have a hard time with it too and I I don't want to continue to contribute to people who done egregious things so i tend to stop consuming things from people i feel like have yeah. done shitty things that's true well let's go into this okay so there's uh this article from psychology today it lists five uh, psychological explanations for why we are driven towards this cancel culture in general you ready yeah number one cancel culture may increase the perception of social status so they say that we are hardwired to seek belonging and social connection. And it says that our brains respond to a social rejection much like we rece- we respond to actual pain. And we respond to social pleasure much like we respond to actual concrete pleasure. And so essentially it's reinforcing slash punishing to experience rejection or acceptance socially. And so we have this drive to seek a higher social status. And so from uh, research published in uh, Psychological Science, it says, if an activity will elevate the status of oneself or one's group, people will do it. Targeting others for moral violation may, in part, serve those drives. Uh, This is coming from a Yale University researcher, Jillian Jordan. Expressing outrage is a costly signal of trustworthiness. So it's a way of showing you are trustworthy, you're outraged, my group is higher than that group because... But Yeah, but the first people who typically engage in call-out are sometimes ostracized. But not always. That, that's why she said it's a costly way of showing you're trustworthy. So she said mm-hmm. condemning wrongdoers implies that once you are above transgressions, you're a better person. So this is also mm-hmm. like, instead of 
thinking about the first person, think about like everyone else that jumps on it. So like hmm. if Harvey Weinstein's called out and then people are starting to to to, uh, to build up steam, like you jumping on it as the 20th person, that's a little bit safer, but it's a way of showing like, oh, I do not agree with that behavior. I'm above that behavior. He needs to lose his job altogether. Why do you think that some people like our president are above being called out i don't think he's above being called out as much as i think that he is very crafty with questioning the source of the calling out Mm. and he has a he has a group that follows him that will will basically repeat that and so his persona is about being targeted and Mm. being like he's villainized the pc culture yeah. And he's impervious to call outs though. I mean, he did, yeah, does not yeah. affect him. That's just fucking crazy. Yeah. Yeah, and it's essentially because he was crafty enough up front to develop this persona mm-hmm. where it's I'm going to like I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. They're going to call me out and it's going to be BS and then you're going to back me. It's kind of like have you ever seen 8 Mile? Um parts of it. Oh my god, 8 Mile is so good. In the uh, the climax of the movie, the Parai mm-hmm. climax, <laughs> uh, there is a rap battle. And Marshall Mathers, playing Rabbit, he does this crazy good rap. But basically, in the rap battle, you're trying to make fun of the other person. Yeah. He goes up there and he's essentially like, let me tell you what they're going to say. They're going to say, I'm poor, I'm trash, blah, blah, blah. And he's just like, he's calling himself out. And, and then he's like, but... And then he like slams them at the same time. And then the person that's supposed to battle him was like, oh, I can't say anything because you just took everything mm-hmm. I was going to say. It's so like... Trump's kind taking of, the wind out of your sails. Essentially, so Trump's kind of the same thing. He's like, I'm going to tell you what they're going to say. They're going to say that I'm this, he's the, I'm that. He's I'm the that. Marshall Mathers of the political he world. He wishes. He wishes he was Eminem. Hmm. He thinks he's hot shit. We you know what he is. Cold diarrhea. Yeah, he is. <laughs> Number two, cancel culture may reduce the social status of others. So one way to boost your status is to do something good, but that takes a long time. So if you, you or your group do something good that takes time for people to identify and recognize it and to boost it. So they're saying that we're often drawn to relative status by hurting another person or another group's standing. Wait, so is this is this article about how... It's about human who, nature. Right, but it feels very much like, so far, the two things you've said, it feels very much like it's saying the people who do the calling out are not valid or they're doing it for for their own gains. It's goal-directed behavior. And so what's motivating someone doing that? And so this is this isn't it's not saying that they're being selfish or it's not valid. It's saying why why are we driven towards encouraging boycotting and canceling of other people? Well, I think also Especially if it doesn't directly affect you. That's the biggest thing. So it's like if you hear about this person that who's famous did a lot of crappy stuff, like yeah, that's morally wrong. And so they're they're saying why are we driven to respond to those moral transgressions? Well, I also think that we're like, that hasn't always been the case. Like for, especially from the standpoint of like the, the Epstein's and the Harvey Weinstein's. I mean, these people have been getting away with this stuff forever. Mm -hmm. And it's not until we create the culture around women being able to be believed and to be able to stand up for themselves that we now live in a time when we can, actually do that so it i i just i'm having a hard time i guess i think you're thinking about it too narrowly 
in the Me Too, moral transgressions can be anything. So like back in the civil rights era, the the pre rights era, like it was seen as a moral transgression for someone to be with a person of a different race. And so like mm-hmm. what what is driving people to call that out and to encourage people to boycott a store or Mor- t- morality, right? Right. And so this whole thing is about why are we driven towards moral outrage and encouraging social punishment of people that violate okay. our morals. All right. The Me Too era is like the most recent example. It's probably the largest scale just because it's been such a backlog yeah. of moral transgressions that weren't acted upon. But if you pull back the lens, you'll see, like like I was saying at the beginning, it was state-sanctioned to do these like public humiliation call-outs mm-hmm. to target crimes that weren't directly punishable. Right. But, but what's interesting is like what's moral in any given time period is influenced by current events and current culture. So right. when we think about any person or any group of people that's been not believed, marginalized, there's ongoing issues related to lots of different groups of individuals. And yet, sometimes it doesn't meet the threshold of mattering. For this topic, yeah. and this this behavior, I think you have to suspend the justice element or the right versus wrong element. It's just about if someone like uh, morality is in the eye of the beholder. Mm-hmm. And so the crappy thing is from a like a racist standpoint, if someone is with someone of the, the, a different race, like that is morally wrong to them. In my opinion, it's, it's not morally wrong. But this is saying if you if a group of people perceive something as being morally wrong, what is motivating them to then try mm-hmm. to hurt that other person socially? Because mm-hmm. we're very socially driven animals. Okay. And so this is a very long-standing thing, but it's only recently where it's been so large and mass because of the internet and because of things like that because mm-hmm. it takes a long time to hit a fevered pitch but like uh, things like this have been going on forever politicians are always being ostracized and targeted and polit- and um like think about the red scare and communism and people getting canceled because of that mm-hmm. like if, if they're perceived as being politically different mm-hmm. everyone is getting blacklisted in that era it can be anything it doesn't have to be like a rape culture or a racism culture. It could be political. It could be cultural. It could be anything, really. Mm-hmm. That makes sense? Yeah. So number three, cancel culture may demonstrate commitment to a community. So this is a really, really cool topic. I don't really research or re- read a lot about uh, evolutionary... Uh, psychology. Yeah, psychology. But this is coming from that standpoint. Okay. So David Buss says that uh, when times are good, fair weather friends and true friends act alike. And he goes into saying that we live in an environment that's very, very safe. Mm. And it's harder to identify who is a good friend or good ally versus a fair weather friend. When we were ancestral, death was often around the corner. So we, we depend on other people. And it was much easier to tell like who is a reliable asset socially and who is not a reliable asset socially. Mm. And so it goes into saying everything's so comfortable right now. We don't have that challenge to survival. So people have fewer chances to prove themselves. So the safer we are in the world in terms of being hunted or like our physical safety is at risk. The safer we are in terms of our physical safety. Yeah, the more we're drawn to these last life or death things as a means of showing our our commitment if there were lions roaming around like we wouldn't super give a shit about these uh, moral transgressions Mm -hmm. because it's like oh our energy goes to survival yeah you you came to save me i can trust you so he's saying that expressing distrust and anger at somebody who commits a moral infraction that demonstrates your loyalty to a group and unites yourself with other people who share your group's values 
Even if the group is unsuccessful at canceling someone, the failure presents additional opportunities for status and bonding. So basically it's saying like this is an opportunity to bond, to share in your anger towards a mutual enemy. Okay. Uh, number four is really interesting. I like this one a lot because this is more talking about what I was saying before about there's some th- moral transgressions and call-outs that I don't think are very justified. Mm. So cancel culture m- may be vulnerable to concept creep. Okay, what does that mean? Early on in most of these, when, when you look historically at these waves of canceling and call-outs, mm-hmm. the early phases are very easy to identify and call out. So they're like instances of rape. Like sexual predators, it's more clear-cut. Like you're a monster, you do this thing. Mm-hmm. However, over time, the case has become more and more ambiguous. People end up being targeted for lesser and lesser transgressions because they get basically you're like it's like l- that's what happened with Aziz Ansari. Yes, yes, exactly. Because it's less uh, distinct, but there's less easy things to point to, and so over time, the less strong targets we have, the more our boundaries of what we're considering morally wrong get uh, more porous or poorly defined. And so they do this really cool study. David Lavari, Harvard Business School, he did this study where he had participants view a series of blue and purple dots on a screen. And then he had to, he had people identify which dots were blue. In the first half of the trials, half the dots were blue, half were purple, and people were very good at identifying what the blue ones were. I'm guessing they're like all different shades of blue, all different shades of purple. Mm. However, over time, the dots became more and more purple, and the participants began expanding their definition of blue mm. and started counting more and more purple dots as blue, even to the point where they were showing a full page of purple dots. People were still able to identify, quote-unquote, blue dots. Mm. Because we're looking for something, Oh, that's interesting. We work harder and harder to find it. So exactly, the, the Aziz Ansari, that was, I think that was one where I heard about it. And I I don't want to sound like, oh, I'm a, such a hero. But like during the Me Too thing, I was like, yes, these people are monsters. Like we need to do something. And then when his case came up, I was like, eh, this seems not as, yeah. like it feels weird to put this in the same category right, as right, what right. Weinstein or mm-hmm. Louis C.K. was doing. Right. Uh, also, I was reading t- today about, I, I guess I completely missed when people tried to cancel Scarlett Johansson. I didn't. What for what? Oh, uh, she's played like an Asian woman. So not not just that. She's so she played an Asian woman, and then this is a good example of going from call out to cancel. They called her out, and people were calling her out. And then I think on the red carpet, maybe they were like, "How dare you play an Asian woman?" And Scarlett Johansson was like, "I'm an actress. I got hired to play a role, and I think that if I got hired, I'm able to play any race, any animal." any tree like if i'm hired for it, i'm just gonna do it hmm. and people are like how dare you you need to stand up you need to not do this and so they were calling for people to boycott her movies and not hire her anymore which again that was like maybe you could have like phrased it differently or maybe showed a little bit more compassion but it doesn't seem to reach this the standard of cancellation hmm. but he's basically saying that over time when we have less distinct threats but we're still on the hunt for threats we lower our threshold for what, ma- what matters. There's another version of the study where they showed people of facial expressions ranging from neutral to mad and angry. And they did the same thing that when there was less threatening faces, we began to erroneously lump in more neutral faces into what we constitute as angry. Hmm. The better we get at calling people out, our net gets too wide and it hmm. kind of goes out of control. The risk of that, and I think we already started seeing that, is... Once that too low of a threshold gets lumped in and they push back, it kind of calls into question the whole movement. So I feel like that was happening with Me Too where, I forget who it was, but someone got accused, was found to not be guilty. And then the people that were guilty were like, see, 
all of this is bullshit. Mm-hmm. And so as it becomes too aggressive and too rampant, yeah. it's it's just too easy for the people who are, are doing wrong things to fall under that guise of, yeah. let's just start over. Yeah. The last one, cancel culture forces adversaries to reveal themselves. Okay. Very, very dramatic. Broadcasting moral violations provokes many different people to respond. Yeah. Some reveal themselves to be loyal to the movement while others emerge as adversaries. Mm-hmm. And so these turning up the heat of the stove can really call for scumbags to float to the top. Can burn your me- your uh your Mexican mouth. <laughs> no, can can burn your grilled cheese. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what I always say. That's I know, and Turn you're always talking about adversaries. Burn your grilled cheese. When I make grilled cheese or eggs, I like to sing to myself slow and low. That is the tempo. Yeah. Because you got to cook slow. And pancakes. Yes. But yeah. That, you it, always screw up pancakes as you try to go too fast. I know. Eggs I've gotten better with. Grilled cheese I've mastered. Mm, okay. We'll see. Okay. I feel like, you know, a big one, uh, speaking to your last point, a big one was the lawyer for Harvey Weinstein. The female lawyer? Yeah. Oh, she's yeah. She's a real fucking piece of work. Yeah. She showed up as an adversary for sure. Yeah. I think also with going back to uh, like Trump when he was campaigning the first time, mm-hmm. like he, there was like the, like the call out culture, but it really did show how many people were coming out saying. Didn't that pussy grabber guy get fired? Billy, what was his name? Billy Bush. Yeah, he got fired. Yeah, I and, think so. And then Trump just soared to victory. Yeah. Well, and, and because it showed how many people were uh, in support uh, of him. But I think that's that's what this is saying is from a macroscopic level, these things happen to help us define who is with us and against us. And so in a way, we're... You're either with us or you're against us. We're subconsciously driven to... Freedom fries. Yeah. Oh, delicious. We're, we're subconsciously driven to Remember do these big moves. when we tried moves. to cancel France? We did because they wouldn't go to war with us. <laughs> they wouldn't attack Iraq. And then people stopped drinking French wines. Oh, no. That worked. Yeah. Not. I mean, who's heard of France <laughs> lately? Yeah, canceled. <laughs> hey, France. You on blast. Yeah, that's right, France. Yeah. Deal with that. Yeah. No one wants Sorry. to go to the Louvre. There's no... No room at the cool kids table because Kim Jong Il's here. I don't know if I get that, but that's okay. Because now Trump is much closer with like North Korea and Saudi Arabia, mm-hmm. all the cool people. Yeah. All right. Cool. So yeah. So I, I think it's an interesting thing to think about. If yeah, I hadn't thought about it from a psychological perspective. Like um, why why we're driven to do it because yeah, yeah. there's no tangible reward for it, but there is a benefit socially but we also feel like that's it's some sort of justice that we can rally together mm-hmm. to create because yeah. especially you go back to like these marginalized groups that finally feel like they can build momentum to get their say yeah i mean some of it like you were saying with the communism stuff like yes that's completely misdirected and weirdly mm-hmm. persecutorial it was also with the Red Scare, it was an easier label to then persecute gay people to. Oh, totally. I mean, yeah. So, but I feel like that is sort of the opposite of what I'm talking about. Like, so yes, there's there's been times in the past where we've, people have used broad strokes to help continue to marginalize people who have historically been marginalized. Yeah. But this is more like, the opposite where people who have historically not ha- held power 
finally get to rise up and say, this isn't okay anymore and we're doing this. Right. But the weapon is the same. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, it's, it's the like, social weapon is the, the same. social weapon. It's kind of like to put it into the concrete. It's like when the police were persecuting minorities in the inner city, they were using guns to invoke fear and to control people. Then gangs got guns and started to unify to protect themselves from it. Like the weapons, the same, but it's really targeting completely different things, or the the purpose is different. Our drive, if you're part of that group, whether you're the majority that are marginalizing someone or you're a marginalized group trying to get power back, the motivation is essentially the same. This this article is saying it's saying it's largely ways to unify who's with you as well as to more clearly identify who is a potential threat to you like it's good for society essentially to be doing this because we can we can find we can unroot people it is i remember i had a a client i was working with in private practice shortly after the last election and he was saying how like blown away he was because he said the day before the election he said he on his street in his neighborhood in his town he saw no no Republicans. He was like, I'm, I must be in this very blue area. And then the morning of the of the election, when the results came in, he said all these banners started showing up and all these things. So he's like, oh, like he's, he reported this really jarring experience of like, oh, I never knew how many people around here and how surrounded I was and all this thing. And so that is a very jarring feeling to perceive you have like a social support that's assumed and you don't get it. So this is saying it's adaptive to have to test your 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 social group from time to time. Well, thanks. That was really interesting. Thank you. So, who's gonna? Who are we gonna cancel next? Um, hopefully not our show. Hopefully not. Hey, anyone so- you think that's due for a cancellation? Um, I think Pete Davidson's doing a good job canceling himself. Is that the SNL guy? Yeah, he just seems to be like kind of spiraling. Yeah, but that's not the same. He's doing mental health. Not for his mental health. He's just like saying a lot of like real controversial oh, stuff. Oh, I don't know. I haven't been following him. This article has a really kind of funny one the 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 example they give in this article a a dude named carson king so he was at a football game in 2019 holding up a sign Uh, he was 24 by the way holding up a sign that said bush light supply needs uh, replenished and left his venmo username on it Say that again, Bush. He had a sign at a football game saying "Bush Light the Beer." Oh, needs replenishing, and then his Venmo account name because oh. he like didn't have money to buy beer, and then it was broadcast on ESPN, mm-hmm. and then he got three million dollars. What of people giving to his Venmo account? He bought one case of beer with it, and then they gave the rest to a children's hospital. Oh shit! And so he became this like hero he was like oh cool he like legit took out six dollars bought beer and then donated two million nine hundred ninety nine thousand whatever so he became he got aligned with bush beer they actually printed his name on the cans like oh wow he's kind of like this like social like this is a fluff story uh-huh. and then this dude from uh, the des moines register aaron kelvin he profiled king for his newspaper he discovered that in 2012 uh king tweet tweeted two racist jokes so seven years earlier yeah. he had these two jokes and and then he basically like called them out he's like oh this dude's a this hero you think he's yeah. a fucking racist so anheuser bush and other companies that were supporting him and like giving to charity and all this stuff they just like cut ties and dropped it all together and this guy was basically publicly humiliated Aww. then people started poking around in kelvin the journalist his past and they found that he had racist tweets and homophobic tweets so then he was fired 
And so it's like this like rippling effect of people getting canceled. Huh. Cancel on cancel on cancel. I know. Well, um, next time I'm going to go back to the phobia stuff because I never did my treatment episode. Oh, yeah. People, people are anxiously awaiting. I know. So in the meantime. In the meantime. What are you doing? I'm going to go on a plane. So Wash your hands. Yeah. I touch my face so much that I don't know. We'll see what happens. Wash your ass. I'm going to... That's it. I'm really tired. So I'm going to stop talking for a little bit. Okay. And um, I love you. I love you too. Bye. Bye. Last night we had some people over playing games and Zeus was simultaneously licking people's legs and then biting on their pants. And, and tugging them. Pull them. <laughs> he was trying to pull people's pants off. He had so many issues. Yeah, that's a move.